You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. So a bit of a disclaimer this morning. I cannot stand talking about money. A bit. James saw me in the hallway today. He goes, how are you this morning? I said, I'm good, but I'm talking about money. I, um, I can't stand it. Um, you can guess what we're going to talk about this morning, but I, I don't enjoy it. And I think there's two reasons I don't enjoy it, because the world, when they think about church, thanks to a current affair and the project and the narrative, they think about money and they think about churches asking for money. And so it makes, I don't like to talk about it because I know that's what people perceive that that's all we talk about. The second reason is I grew up in a culture for some reason that they said we don't talk about money. Um, which some Australian churches have this idea, we don't talk about money. Um, there's a big problem with that, that Jesus talks a lot about money. He even has a story where he watches people give and analyzes what they're giving. That's like one step further than talking about money. We're not going to do that this morning, don't worry. <laughs> but as I came across, we're going through Luke, if you don't know, as I came across this passage this morning, I mean, not this morning, I didn't prepare it this morning, that would be... Um, as I came across it this week and I realized it's a challenging verse on money, I thought, okay, God, I'm not going to do it. I'll skip it. And then someone else encouraged me this week that didn't know I was looking at this passage and I went, all right, God, I'm going back. And so we're going to talk about money this morning. Um, It says that it's so offensive that the Pharisees actually scoff at the end of this passage. They get a bit cranky. They whisper to each other if it was a church. I can't believe he's talking about this. And so it is because it's so close directed to our heart but that's what we're going to talk about i'm really sorry if you're visiting this morning because that means that 100 percent of the sermons you've heard in this church are about money and so <laughs> um, i do think about that as well but you guys know we don't talk about it a lot but we're in a new financial year the passage was there and so i felt led to share a couple of things with you this morning so i'm going to pray again that it's received the way it should be received And that whatever God wants you to get from it this morning, that's what you'll get. And everything else cannot sink in. Just the stuff from God. So let me pray one again. So, Father, we are going to talk about stewardship this morning, Lord. You talk a lot about it. And so, Father, as we open this passage, as we open Luke 16, I just pray these are your words, some of your challenges. And I pray whatever we're meant to pick up from it, we will. And we'll be blessed all the more for it. In your name, amen. Let me read from Luke 16. As you know, if you've been with us, we've been going through Luke. Let me read. We've got Bibles in the back too, or if you want to get it on your phone, go for it, but it's up there as well. Jesus told his disciples that there was a rich man whose manager was accused of wasting his possessions. So his rich man has a manager. He's wasting his possessions. So he called him and asked him, what is it I hear about you? Give an account of your management because you cannot be a manager any longer. The manager said to himself, what shall I do now? My master is taking away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig. I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do. I don't know what I'll do, sorry, when I lose my job here. People, how will they welcome me into their houses? And so he called in each of his master's debitors and he asked the first, how much do you owe the master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. 
The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly and make it out to 450. So he's reduced the bill. Then he asked the second, how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take your bill and make it 800. The master commended the dishonest manager (laughs) because he had acted shrewdly. For the people of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own kind than they are the people of the light. I tell you, use, these are Jesus' words, use your worldly wealth to gain friends for yourself so that when it is gone, you'll be welcomed into eternal dwelling. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with very much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? If you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No one can serve two masters. Either you hate one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees, listen to this, who loved money, heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourself in the eyes of others. But God knows your hearts. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. Let's get into one of the most controversial passages on money this morning. How fun. <laughs> um, there's lots of different takes on this passage, on that, especially the shrewd manager, because on that read, it seems like Jesus is commending dishonesty. It's quite strange. This guy does something dishonest and the master says, good job. It's not what's being said here and there's heaps of different ways you can see this. Some people say that maybe the manager was like the tax collector of that time and that he gave up his commission to later on win these friends over. That's a really great way to see it. The Bible doesn't actually say that. So you can sit in that if you want but it doesn't actually say that. So I won't go into the exact details because it's debatable. What we can be sure of is Jesus is not commending dishonesty, but he's actually saying that was actually a clever move. From an unrighteous man, but that was actually a clever move. Do you know what it makes me think of? Who's seen a heist film? A heist film where they go rob a casino or a bank. Yeah, 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 heist film. Sorry, that was... Yeah, so they, do you know what? It's not right to rob a casino but man it's entertaining and at the end of it when they show you how you did it you can't help but say wow that was pretty cool like they used mirrors and there was a truck and it backed that was a pretty cool move sometimes you see a news story even and it's someone that's robbed or someone doing something wrong but you have to laugh you're like that was actually pretty clever Um, I actually read something this week, totally wrong. Someone had tried to ship some products down over the border and they found them encased, they'd moulded the wheel and they'd found it in the wheel. And I thought to myself, not a good thing to be doing, but I had to admit, well, not clever enough, am I right? But but clever. And I I believe Jesus here is talking about there was a way to handle money, that there's a practical wisdom a real-world, tangible way to handle money that does influence people. Righteous or non-righteous, there was a practical component to money and finance and business. And some people are very gifted at it. 
Some people are very clever at it. So Jesus here highlighting that some people are gifted. That was actually a smart move, but he's, not, he's, he's still fired. The manager's still fired. It's still not an honest move, but Jesus says there is a way to handle. I've called it, there's a tangible wisdom in life when it comes to money, a practical wisdom. Some people are very good with it. Some people are not. And this is a great chance for me to thank our board at the moment. And he, not just our board, but a heap of people in our church that help with the finances and help manage things and help manage stock that comes in with the op shop or help, help manage food that comes in for food help or help manage rosters. Really appreciate that they are honest, <laughs> extremely honest, but they're very gifted, very practical in the way they use money. I actually appreciate this church. This church has had a history of up and down giving and finance and money, but it's been over 40 years. You only do that, you only survive that long if you've had key people that are clever, that have tangible wisdom, and if you have God, obviously. Does it make sense? There's a tangible, practical wisdom when it comes to money. And so this is my first point out of this, or encouragement. There's a practical, tangible wisdom to handling money. So I'd like to start with practical, practical, tangible wisdom this morning and talk about a little bit more practically about our finances here at the church. Is that all right? So it's too late now. I've got it written down. But I pretended to give you a choice. So I'm just going to talk a little bit because we're in a new financial year. I'm not going to talk. This is not the most important part of the message, but I want to be a church that plans for the future. So we have multiple incomes coming into this church at the moment. We are extraordinarily blessed. The op shop, we sell things for $2. We give stuff away. Had a lady come in the other day that was um, combating some domestic violence and we just said, take whatever you can from the op shop. Of course. (laughs) It's actually not there to make money. But through the love and the culture that we've developed there, it actually helps this church a massive amount. We also have grants that come in with a heap of the work we do. And then, of course, we have our tithe and our offering. We also have donations that come in from the community towards stuff, but we also have our tithe and our offering. It's been my conviction of late as seeing the numbers over the last year and then heading into this year, and funny enough, God has provided. Uh, We're going to have an AGM in October. You can see the way God has paid all the bills, as he does. But my conviction is that we rely too heavily on the op shop. It actually, if the op shop was to have a bad season, if a competitive op shop down the road was to open, we'd struggle. And so my tangible, practical invitation this morning is towards perhaps thinking about our community as we grow, about taking back a bit more ownership. Not closing the op shop, we can use the blessing of the op shop for more things, helping more people. But us as a community committing into this next financial year a little bit more ownership of our offering so we can continue to do what we're doing, which has been incredible. Not me, us as a church. And so I spoke to Aidan, who does a bit of our books, and I said, give me an amount that we could aim for this year. And he came up with the figure um, $1,040 a week would mean that we don't cancel the op shop, that's not the goal, but that we take back the ownership of our community and can plan. You know, we can't plan on the op shop. We can't plan for the future. 
And we want to be a board that tangibly works with it. Now, I can see on your faces when I mention $1,040, you're, yeah, it's a lot if I was going to ask one of you to do it. (laughs) But we have about 200 people conservatively at this church coming. Break that down because heaps of people are regular and a ton of kids. Let's say 100 people. That would be an invitation for 100 people in our church to increase their giving or consider their increasing their giving by $10 a week. This is not a sales pitch. It's not a convincing. I'm just talking about tangible, practical wisdom into the future. We also know, again, not a guilty thing, because we've grown so much recently, a lot of us have never been asked to give. We've never even been asked to, and that's okay. I actually, again, like being a church where we don't talk about this a lot. But to the fault of, we actually don't let anyone know how we're going. (laughs) If this financial year, you would consider starting to give towards the work of this church, and if you were able to, which is either a massive amount for some people or nothing for some people, honestly, I get... Did you guys hear that the bunning sausage has raised by a dollar? So it is the worst possible time for me to be talking about money. I get that. Don't worry, I've sweated on this all week. And then I saw Mez reminded me of the article of the bunning sausage. I'm like, great, another reason not to talk about money. <laughs> but Ken, inspired by Jesus' teaching on practical wisdom, can I encourage us to consider your offering to the church and consider anything, it all helps, but think around that figure of adding a, a figure around $10 a week, which works out to be about $40 a month. What that means is this church could plan for the future. We're going to survive no matter what. God is good and he keeps providing, but it means we can use most of the op shop for ministry and we can take back and own this church as a community. Is that okay to ask for you to consider? You can tell I'm, this is about as uncomfortable as I get. So, just wanted to break it down that great, that way. All right. Here's my next question, though. When you hear that amount, and this is probably why my generation is so uncomfortable with this. And I want to talk about tangible trust. If you're of my generation, you don't trust institution and you certainly don't trust churches. Because churches, not all, some have absolutely hurt people's trust. We have a lot of people in this church that have come here hurt from other churches. And so I know this has been a similar experience. And so Jesus speaks to this, right? When you give, there is a certain amount of trust. Listen to this. He says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with very much. Whoever is dishonest with very little can also be be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you've not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? Jesus outlining, there's actually a tangible trust, which is my second point this morning. For me to ask us as a community to consider giving sacrificially and joyfully towards this next season because there is so much good stuff 
that God has for us, there needs to be a tangible trust. Can I invite you to do something about that? What do I mean? I know the board and I know they're some of the most available people that I know. They would be happy to talk to you about where everything goes and what happens here and where money is spent. Um, Can I invite you, if you do have trust issues with churches, if this sermon is uncomfortable because of your history, maybe you had a pastor that tried to run off with the church. The building, I'm saying. Try to get on his back. And no, 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 tried to get... Understandably, then you'd be coming into this, where's it all going? Can I ask you to do something about that? Come to church and see what we do here. Come Monday morning and see Jess here with this room literally full of mostly mothers and kids connecting in a church, singing songs together in movers and shakers. They were literally last week giving her hugs. We couldn't work out why, but we think they were that lonely for community and they were just so happy for her to be back. They were saying, you're back. I've got somewhere to be with my kids on a Monday morning and we love it and we give them a coffee. Come see the small army of ladies and men now in the kitchen making food. Look in that fridge in there. Open it up. Food that will be empty by the end of the week because it goes out to the poor and homeless and those that are just struggling. Come and see. See what this does. Build some trust with this community. Come see the op shop where they try to give stuff away and people keep buying things. And they keep walking in and it's the weirdest thing I've ever seen in an op shop because I've owned so many op shops. <laughs> so they come in here and they say, I'm not making this up. They say, what's going on in here? It's an op shop. I'm like, seriously? It's a bit dirty actually today. But they think God's love is permeating through it. Come and see the amount of small tables that are starting to form and people are bringing discipleship. Wednesday, KYB, come and see them learn Bible study and go dual committed to leading that group through the Bible what that does in their lives, come and see. I say all this not to convince you, but come and see what this church does with that time and build some trust. If you've been hurt by a church or you've been hurt by someone, and as I mentioned, amounts, it's, you, you want to sneer a little, come and build some trust with us. And then come Friday, where we're giving food out, we're giving help out, Orange Sky Laundry is doing people's laundry, and we're running a barbecue. Build trust. Come and see. More importantly, build trust with God. And the same tangible trust is applicable for him. See what happens when you step out sacrificially. See what God does. See what he says here? If you trusted with a little and you use that towards my kingdom, see what happens if you step out further. Try it. Now, am I saying prosperity doctrine? Am I saying if you give, you will be richer? No, you 100% be poorer because you've just given your money. (laughs) Depends how you define richer though. I am not, we are not the type of church that says if you give today, you're going to go out there and your car's magically been upgraded. No, you're trying, that's raised Tesla, you can't open that with your keys. 
see what God does when you step out. See what happens when you let go of the control of your finance or your giftings or anything. It's beautiful to watch. He will do something deep in you when you trust him. I'm not just talking money. In anything, when you trust God, when you step out, he will do something. So let's say richer in some way, in profoundly deep ways. I just can't promise, yeah, the sports car. Or caravan, or caravan. If I'm happy to go out there and you've all brought me a caravan, that's fine too. (laughs) No, no, that's a previous joke. It's called back to a very funny joke I told about trying to convince you all to buy me a caravan. So it hasn't worked so far. So my next point is, no, tangible trust. Does it make sense? Find tangible trust. If you've been hurt by church, if you've been hurt by church organisation, if you watched a lot of a current affair, build some trust with the church and see what we do with it. Ask. And if you've got problems with God, let's work through that trust. That's my invitation today. And let's plan and build something, not Steve's church. Let's build this community and plan for the future and have people with tangible wisdom building this thing. Because my goodness, God is blessing us in every way. Family, I'm talking to you guys, we need trust. I truly believe the church has, does, has done damage, different churches, but let's sort it out so we can move into the future and trust each other together. Most importantly is my third point. All that said, here's where, if there's nothing else you heard today, Here's what I'd love you to hear. The third point, tangible love. Tangible love. Let me just read again from the passage we opened up. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. The Pharisees who love money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. He said to them, You are the ones who justify yourself in the eyes of others. But listen to this. God knows your heart. What people value highly is detestable in God's sight. He then goes on to tell a story, Jesus, in this parable. He goes to tell the story of the rich ruler and the poor man. And he shows an eternal perspective that the rich man, through holding on to financial positions, actually loses his soul. And the poor man finds Christ, finds God. He goes on to tell that story, talking about the emptiness of the things we hold on to with our heart. Jesus does get practical. Then he talks about trust. But at the end of it, he speaks to the heart. So I want to do the same. So many good and beautiful things. It's good to plan. It's good to have tangible wisdom. It's good to have tangible trust. But above more than that, it requires a heart of worship. I think I've got a slide up there, Graham. A heart of worship. When it comes to our pockets and generosity, it's, it doesn't matter if this is a great talk, a convincing talk, an average talk or bad talk. No talk should convince you. It has to come from a place in all generosity from your heart. It's a heart response. 
True generosity, hear this, true generosity comes from understanding in every area of our life to everyone, not just the church. True generosity from a Christian comes from knowing that Jesus didn't give 5%. True generosity comes from knowing Jesus didn't give 10%. He didn't even give a whopping 50%. He gave it all for you. If the money stuff was uncomfortable for you, if the building trust was, know this, it all comes from your heart. It's all worship. Generosity is worship. Whether it's to your sponsor child, whether it's to your neighbour, whether it's time with people, whether it's not rushing off all the time, generous in any aspect is coming from a heart of worship, knowing Jesus gave 100% for you. We're not coming from a place of guilt or trying to convince you of something. We would just rather you understand the tangible love of Jesus and then respond. Amen? John Piper says this, In the case of Jesus, he is infinitely admirable and our admiration rises to the most absolute worship. That's what generosity is. Yes, there's practical. Yes, there's trust. But at the end of the day, And I stole this quote from someone encouraging me this week. At the end of the day, we're not a Red Cross. We do a little good stuff, but at the end of the day, we're not a Red Cross. At the end of the day, we're not a a surf club or a sports club, although they're awesome. At the end of the day, we're not a business. We are the body of Christ, responding to what he has done, letting that just bubble up inside of us in every area. And that's where it comes from, worship. And I think the other reason this laid on my heart so heavy this morning is I think this is a lesson our church, I think I can, and I think our church needs to step into, if I can boldly say, a bit more. Not just with our giving, our whole life. Not just come to church and know, okay, we've got three songs, then we've got communion, and I'll get my, yeah, you know what I mean, I'll get my list, I'll get my stuff out of it, and then I'll go home. But coming ready to worship turning up to church, ready to engage Jesus, ready to fill back up for the rest of the week. Yes, giving our time and giving, giving our whole being to God. Sometimes that looks like putting money in the plate, absolutely. Sometimes that looks like lots of different things. As I said it before, loving our neighbour, buying a lady in our street groceries or something like that. That single mum. Generosity, it comes from the heart. And Jesus knows it and that's why the Pharisees get start sneering at him because he's poked their heart and their hearts for money. I love the story of the lady. I'm not going to read the whole passage now, but I love the story of the lady that pours the perfume over Jesus. And the disciples are disgusted. <laughs> They're like, that, how's this? This is smart. This is actually what Jesus does normally commend. He goes, hey, that could be used for the poor, they say. And it could be. And at most times it should be. But right then and there, when you're faced with God's son, who's on earth, there's a wasteful generosity to it. There's a reckless generosity where you break something that's a whole year's wage and pour it over him because he is God. 
and he, what he's about to do and what he has done is incredible. It's, it, to the world, it's a bit wasteful. It's his insane generosity. You know when you give a gift? I don't do this. When I give a gift, I don't actually ask if they've used it. So if I gave someone a fry pan, that's a pretty bad gift. So but no, if you want one, that's great. But you know, I just, this is what came to my mind. If I gave someone a fry pan, I didn't say, oh, what'd you cook on it after I gave it to you? Have you used it? Or I go to the house and open their drawers and go, this hasn't been used. Yes, we need tangible, practical generosity. Yes, we need tangible trust. But at the end of the day, we're giving back what God has already given us. Some element is, yes, let's learn to trust. But some element is, it doesn't matter where it goes. Because I'm giving it back to God. And he has given me everything. And this is one way I worship Amen? Amen. We're going to finish now. I, I just I will share one more verse. Romans 12.1 says it beautifully. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of everything God has done, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is what? Proper worship your true and proper worship. We're going to head into a time of communion now. What I would like us to do is sit in that for a while, remembering what Christ gave for you. If you don't have one, put your hand up. Um, If you didn't get one walking in, we'll get you one. John, I'm included in that. I didn't get one. And then, once you've taken the bread, which represents his body, once you've taken the juice, which represents his blood, we won't drink together today. You'll just drink in your own time. Because then I've got three things I'd love you just to think about after you think about what Christ has done. Think about those three points, if that's okay. Number one, what is God tangibly and practically asking you to do towards the work of this church? Be so practical that work out an amount with God and if you want, start today. Number two, work out your trust issues with the church or God. I'm not, it's not going to be solved now, <laughs> but be honest with yourself. Do you have a problem trusting the church or God and how do you work on that? How do you learn to trust in God that he's working through his people? And number three, Reflect on what he's done. What are you grateful this week? How much has he done for you this week? But first of all, we're just going to take this and remind ourselves that he gave it all through his body and blood. Let me pray for this. And then we're just going to probably spend five minutes reflecting through those things. Father God, it all starts with your goodness. It all starts with the breath in our lungs. It all starts with the work on the cross you gave it all for us and i guess we're just in this new financial year lord help us do a heart check and just check what's in there is it you and the response to you 
or is there something else blocking it, Lord? Father, you've already died for whatever's in there and so I just pray this morning we can encounter you, deal with whatever blockage we have and step into this church, into this community, into this family with a renewed (laughs) gratitude, with a renewed purpose, hope and love. Thank you for everything you're doing and have done in Jesus' name. Amen.